0: heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. He could receive little company and was not to be excited. While in the hospital, a rich uncle died and left him a million dollars. His family wondered how to break the news to him with the least amount of excitement. It was decided to ask the rabbi if he would go and break the news quietly to the man. The rabbi went and gradually led up to the question, The rabbi asked the patient what he would do if he inherited a million dollars. He said, I think I would give half of it to the synagogue. The rabbi dropped dead. (laughs) Now feel free to test me on that if you'd like. (laughs) But what would you do if you had a million dollars? What would you do if you had a million dollars? You know, they say that the people that win the lotteries and stuff, then many of them go bankrupt within a short period of time. Yeah. They get all that money and they waste it above and beyond. People act foolishly sometimes. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Some of you young adults are getting real jobs. You're making real money. And you know what? The truth is young adults have a real difficult time with money. They tend to not know what to do with it but they spend it well. Exceedingly beyond their meager capacities thanks to easy credit. right? What would you do if you had a thousand dollars? If you had a hundred thousand dollars? What would you do if you just had a hundred bucks? How do you handle what you have? And the question would be, if you had so much money, would you be generous with what you had? Where would would you be generous? This evening, or this evening, this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look just at a couple of verses from the Torah, the book of Exodus. Again, using the TLV version of the biblical text uh, so that you can kind of get a sense of what that is as we're contemplating uh, purchasing it in replacement of our current texts. Exodus 25. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verses 1 through 8. We're going to start in this set of verses. And again, on your announcement sheet, you have a section there for notes. And I encourage you to look at the notes. Uh, You know, what you gain through your ears is only a small bit of what you will remember if you write something down. Alright? So Exodus chapter 25 Looking at the text, beginning in verse 1. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Tell B'nai Yisrael, tell the children of Israel, to take up an offering for me. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take my offering. These are the contributions which you are to receive from them. Gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet cloth, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red, seal skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate, have them make me a sanctu- have them make a sanctuary for me, so that I may dwell among them. Now I want to make a couple of points uh, from this text. First of all, <laughs> don't you love modern technology? <laughs> First of all, contributing for God's kingdom starts with a call. It's true. It's true. You know, contributing for God's kingdom starts with a call. There is a call in the text. God says, God initiates. God initiates. And he says what? Tell Israel to take up an offering. All right. so there's a call here. There's a challenge here from God. God threw out a challenge for the people to do something for him. You know, it's amazing, when you look at the biblical text, God is constantly throwing out a challenge for people. Alright? Abraham, lech lecha, get up and go. Abraham could have said, you know, I'm going to sit and stay. God challenges him. Get up and go. And he answers the challenge. Alright? Moses, Moses, go tell Pharaoh. Moses says, send somebody else. That's more like us. We're not Abraham in this crowd, for the most part, right? We are more reluctant. We're more reluctant. You just get this sense with Abraham's call from God that he just literally gets up and goes. And Of course, there's all kinds of agada that we can look at in consideration of the text. Moses is us. God says to Moses, go. Moses says, send Aaron many years ago I got a call from the United States military they sent me a little letter and says go sign up I said I'll sign up but take my brother and they took my brother you know so how do we answer calls from God? Do we have the attitude of of send somebody else, let somebody else do it, it's someone else's responsibility that's often the way people are especially when it comes to giving Well, I don't really have any money, but uh, so-and-so's rich, he'll give. I'm really a busy person, but so-and-so, he's got nothing to do, he'll serve. When it comes to the call from God, God throws out challenges all the time. The problem is, how do we respond? How do we respond? Again, taking a look at verse 3, God specifically gives them a list of things that they can invest in to God's kingdom. Verse 3, blue, purple, scarlet cloth, fine linen, goat hair. Goat hair. I want to know what the futures are on goat hair. I want to know what that stuff's worth. Maybe some of you in here, you know, you can give gold. Maybe some of you in here can give, you know, purple and scarlet cloth. Maybe some of you in here, you have extra goat hair. The question is, God is throwing out the challenge. He's asking people to give. Are you willing to give what you have? It's very interesting. This is an interesting list. Goat hair. Think about it. Goat hair. What are these people? These people have goats. And these people have animals. Goat hair is pretty easy. You know why goat hair is easy? You can shave it, and it comes back. We're a little bit withdrawn from the world of agriculture. I was reading an article about really expensive clothing. You know, there's somebody in New York. I actually want to buy some of this. That's you know, somebody in New York is making these wool sweaters, all American. And so they called a lady in Oregon because they want to source American, they want to manufacture American, they want to produce American, they want an American thing, a sweater. So they found a person in America that actually grows sheep, not that you grow sheep, but you know, you raise sheep, sheep but you grow wool on the sheep you raise, okay? And so it was great because this woman, you know, it's an old crusty person from Oregon. If you've never been to Oregon, some of those people in Oregon are crusty old people, all right? It's kind of like northern Californians, okay? The old timers. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. I grew up out there. I know some of those people. It's interesting. So anyway, finally, this this young 30-something with this great idea in New York talks this person in Oregon into working with them and they produce these all-American made sweaters and it ends up where the at the end of the article, they've sheared all the sheep and sent in all the wool but the sheep are growing back their hair for next year or whatever it is that sheep, wool whatever it is that sheep do produce, you get the point we have to be sensitive to the call from god we have to be sensitive from the call of god god throws out challenges to us all the time do you know the simplest challenge from god is to contribute toward the building up of his kingdom with your time and with your resources and the resources are much more easier than the time if you're not listening to god's call when it comes to your money and your stuff don't ever expect god to give you a higher calling it ain't going to happen If you can't do the least of the expectations from God, you can't do much at all. All right, You have to remember the calling from God, the challenge for God, to do for Him through your resources that He has blessed you with anyway. Because fundamentally, when you take a look at that text, take a look at verse 8. It says, Have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. That's my version here. But it boils down into three basic points. Have them, in other words, these, these Israelis, have them make me for their benefit. The call of God to do something for him fundamentally benefits us. you ever thought about that? The call of God for us to do something for Him always, inevitably, benefits us. If we're unwilling to hear God's call and to act on the call, we will suffer. That's why it's fundamental when you look at the biblical text, you look back into the prophetic literature, which we're not going to go into, where God basically says, you people have been cheating me. You're not giving the tithe, and you're not giving back, contributing, or your motivations are not good, or you're giving me the sick, lame, and blind instead of your best. And go see. That's why you don't have anything. That's why you're not blessed. God wants to bless people, but it's all based on his calling. God calls us to do things for him. Fundamentally, it'll bless us. God calls us as believers to study his scripture. To know him better. Why? Because it will bless us personally. It comes back to bless us and benefit us studying God's instruction. God says, come, be in community, a command from God, not to forsake your gathering together. And what is the benefit for us personally? Tremendous benefit for us. Because we have friends. (laughs) We get to hang out with other people. People that really hopefully care about us. To follow God's call in whatever that call is will require something from us, but it's always ultimately for our benefit. Now, when it comes to the calling, though, take a look at verse 2. It says again, to tell B'nai Yisrael, tell the children of Israel to take up an offering for me. From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take an offering. Now, I think. In a couple of weeks, Bob, or I'm sure, maybe uh, Jason will speak on this. But, you know, when it comes to giving, when it comes to giving, motivation is important. Motivation is important. I can stand up here all day and I can basically say, well, you can, you know, obviously the biblical text talks about 10%. But 10% is arbitrary. It's an arbitrary. It really is a matter of conviction. If you want to give 90% of whatever you make to the synagogue, we'll take it. All right? But it's really a matter of conviction. You should never give out of guilt. All right. You should never give out of guilt. But I also would encourage you to not give out of disobedience. Does that make sense? <laughs> Motivation is important. But God has given clear instruction. And so if you choose, if you don't want to give or you don't feel you you have the capacity to give you've got to make sure you balance that out with god's instruction in the text there's no indication in the text because everything in the text I'm not going to look through it all the indication in the text is people all gave That there was tremendous generosity from the community people gave out of a sense of enthusiasm and excitement about what God was doing. That's usually the pattern in the biblical text when people are doing what God says in his instruction. When people are hoarding, when people are being stingy, when people are in fear, when people are self-absorbed, they hold back on God. And that's disobedience. So motivation is important. You've got to have a personal conviction when it comes to needs. You've got to have a personal conviction when it comes to giving, you know, when it comes to giving to the building up of God's kingdom, to answering God's call. You just want to make sure that that you're not operating out of fear or or uh or anything else if you're choosing to not give in some way let me see if I can make it very simple you know because I want to make sure you get this the call of God is a general call it's important that we understand that God challenges us to give back to him for the building up of whatever it is he wants to do in this situation it's the building up of the tabernacle in other portions of the biblical text it's other things where the call goes out And people respond. Each one of us looks at our situation individually. And each one of us will either either look at the call with a generous eye, as we talked about last week, thinking in terms of what can I do, what can I contribute to the building up of this thing. While others of us, we can look at the situation, look at the call, and instead of seeing what we can do, we fear what we will lose. Does that make sense? No one in this room is of, is of unlimited resources. And so each one of us, hopefully, looking at their budgets, if you don't budget, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks anyway, or I'll send you to talk to Abe or Mike, all right? But you, each one of us looks at our budget. And we either approach it in one of two ways. We look at our budget and we go, Wow, if I do this and I do that, I can contribute for the building up of God's kingdom and the answering of a call to do this thing with this much money. Or this much resource. Or in this way. We have a generous attitude. Some of us look at our resources and instead we say, I got nothing. If I give anything, it means that I have less for myself we have a stingy attitude the Lord our God wants us to have a generous attitude we want to have, so it's important when you're looking or you're considering God's call in regards to your finances that you look at it from a generous perspective and that convictionally you give based on that generous perspective not you know looking at it in terms of basically giving away to God is going to leave loss for me and out of fear Choosing not to do anything. I want to read uh, a very interesting illustration that I think uh, will help with this. Although I don't guarantee that things always turn out the way it's listed in this illustration. In the latter part of the 17th century, German preacher August H. Franke, and you wonder, where do I get these? The internet. All right. German preacher August H. Franke founded an orphanage to care for homeless children. One day when Frankie desperately needed funds to carry on his work, an out Christian widow came to his door begging for a ducat, a gold coin. Because of his financial situation, he politely but regretfully told her he couldn't help her. Disheartened, the woman began to weep. Moved by her tears, Frankie asked her to wait while he went to his room to pray. After seeking God's guidance, he felt that the Holy Spirit wanted him to change his mind. So trusting the Lord to meet his own needs, he gave her the money. Two mornings later, he received a letter of thanks from the widow. She explained that because of his generosity, she had asked the Lord to shower the orphanage with gifts. That same day, Frankie received 12 ducats from a wealthy lady and two more from a friend in in Sweden. He thought he had been amply rewarded for helping the widow, but he was soon informed that the orphanage was to receive 500 gold pieces from the estate of some prince with a long name. When he heard this, Frankie wept in gratitude. And this is the key phrase in sacrificially providing for that needy widow. He had been enriched, not impoverished. Many of us have an attitude which doesn't even allow us to think in terms of contributing to God's kingdom. One, we wouldn't pray that much about it because we're afraid God might tell us to give, so we don't pray. But we live in fear. We live in fear of our own personal need. We all have needs. But we need to have an attitude that is generous. Generous to the call of God really it's a great illustration because he didn't want to give but he listened to God's call in regards to the needs of the woman and God blessed him God blessed him so if we took time to read all this section about the building up of the uh, tabernacle we would just read about all this stuff that uh, gets contributed uh, including the goat hair When it's all said and done, all the people's contributions added together, because that's what's key. Some people gave gold, some people gave goat hair, some people gave other stuff. But it's the total contribution, all the giving from all the people excited to give toward God and His work, that leads to the building of the tabernacle and the end result. Take a look at Exodus 40, verse 34. Exodus 40, verse 34. After Moses sets up the tabernacle in its completion, it says, "Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter into the tent of meeting because the cloud resided there and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, A Israel went onward throughout all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not move until uh, out until the day that it was. For the cloud of Adonai was on the tabernacle by day, and a fire was there." by night in the sight of all house of Israel throughout all their journeys the combined contributions of the community people giving because they were convicted personally to do though because they answered the call of God brought this tremendous outcome and that's the way God operates It's the way God operates you know it's funny tremendous structure gets built by people all the time beautiful buildings Get built by people all the time. But when the people of God operating, really responding to the call of God, convictionally fulfill that call, act on that call together, God shows up. And that's what we should desire as a community. God shows up. Because people are being obedient to God's call for their life. And the same true, really, the the same points... Uh, are true, whether it's in regards to your money or your time or or just taking those opportunities that God brings into your life to do something, responding to God's call, convictionally responding in obedience to God's call always will lead to God showing up. And that's what I really want to leave you with in terms of, of a thought. In the bottom of your sheet, the application, the believing life is a life of sacrifice. I don't know who in the world really thought up the idea that following God should be easy. Following God is not easy. Just look in the Bible. It's not easy. But it's always the best way to live life. Learning to make our faith practical in regards to our financial commitment to building up our faith is essential. Luke 14, 25-35 would be considered today the wrong way to build a crowd in our personal, gratification-obsessed society. That's the text where Yeshua says, come and die. (laughs) You've got to hate your mom and dad (laughs) in order to love me and follow me. I mean, those are pretty group. I mean, I'm not going to read them right now. Go read them yourself. You're in the sheet. Take them home read them. I mean, what a way to not be influential and positive-seeking, you know? I mean, everybody wants their ears tickled. Yeshua says, come and die. That's real life. Come follow me and come suffer. Well, life is not about personal gratification. It's not about getting a 54- or 50-inch TV set for a great deal at Target. It's about following God, listening to His call for your life and acting out that call, starting with the most basic things. Are you demonstrating your commitment to God and the way you handle your money? If, if believers, you know what was it? The average believer, the Barney people do statistics, I think they give like two percent. Two percent. That's the equivalent of, of really giving God a bone with no meat on it. you know It's terrible. But the typical believer does not live convictionally when it comes to their finances. Hopefully that's not you. Are you willing to support God's kingdom out of your poverty? Remember the little old lady who gave two mites. She gave all she had and it wasn't much, but she gave it at the temple for the support of the temple. That's what she was doing there. Are you willing to support God's kingdom out of your poverty? Some of us think we're poor. Go to Nigeria. You'll see what poor is. Alright? Or... Or so many other places. Go down into Mexico and see how people live. See how the believers are generous there with what little they have. And we think we're generous. We're really not as generous as we could be because we think we're poor when we're not. Are you counting the cost of being a Talmud, a Messiah? What is your commitment level in contributing to the building up of the kingdom of God through this synagogue? I mean, if it is your congregation, what is your active Convictional commitment to this place with your finances. Let alone, of course, time and and, uh, and, and uh, other things. So give it some thought and chew on it. Things to think about. Just remembering that uh, what is really awesome to see is that when we are operating, when we are responding to the call of God, when we are responding to the call of God for our lives and doing that with a proper motivation, It's amazing to see God show up, and that's what we should desire to see. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the encouragement of examples and testimonies, but also what we see in the biblical text, God. You really do have amazing things you want to do through us, but you are expecting us to respond to your call and to respond in obedience, in faith, and in conviction. God, I pray that we would do so and that uh, you would really just allow our eyes to be opened to all that is that you are doing and all you want to do in and through us. That will encourage us and allow us to see what part we play in the building up of your kingdom here in Skokie and outside it. And again, we thank you for your love for us that sustains us, your greatest love demonstrated through the sending of our Messiah, Yeshua, to die for our sin. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.